Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Today I want to talk to you about a recipe for spiritual health. You know, we've been looking at the beauty of the new covenant. We've been looking at uh, just all the advantages of the new covenant over the old covenant. And the Hebrews, that's what it's all about. Uh, because Hebrews makes sure that we understand the new covenant is a covenant of love and grace and mercy. It's a, a covenant where God writes his laws on our hearts and minds uh, rather than just tablets of stone, which that was pretty amazing in itself. It's a covenant where God doesn't have to continually, or we don't have to, have continual blood sacrifices because it's all been paid and that one sacrifice, Jesus Christ, he died for our sins once for all. It's a covenant where God forgives our sins by his grace and then he gives us a new heart. As a matter of fact, uh, the writer of Hebrews quoting Jeremiah, I think he quoted this text several times. So let me just read it to you as we're doing a little review entering into our text today. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to actually start with verse 19 in our text today, but let me back up to verse 16. And it says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. This is the writer of Hebrews quoting the prophet Jeremiah speaking of the new covenant. He says, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I'll write them. And then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, then, then the writer of Hebrews makes a comment. He says, now where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. So he's making an argument for that we don't need to continually make offerings anymore for sin. It was paid for in Christ. Read the book of Hebrews if you're just joining us. Uh, you got a lot of catch-up to do, 10 chapters, because we're in the middle of chapter 10. But what a wonderful place God has put us in, in, in Christ. What a joyous privilege we have that we could come, as the Bible says, boldly before the throne of grace. As a matter of fact, back in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. I love what God has done because he's done what I could never do. And again, I'll remind you, that's one of the big differences between the cults and true Christianity. The cults make it sound like it's all on you. You got to jump through hoops. You got to do this. You got to do that. And true Christianity is Christ has done it all. And on the cross, when he says, It is finished, it was finished. Now there's things he's calling us to do, but not to get saved. He saves us by grace through faith. And now that we're saved by grace through faith, he calls us to move forward. We'll talk about that today. Father, that's what we pray. Is that as we look at the balance between just the grace of God your grace towards us, and then your call to us to step up and serve you with our lives, surrender our lives. Lord, show us what that should look like. 
especially, Lord, as we look at the specific commands and exhortations in the text today. I know there's a lot you want to say to us. So we give you our undivided attention right now. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want to say and show us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, because of the amazing grace that we have in Christ, we're now invited to that table of grace of healthy spiritual living. Now, I'm going to do a little pun here because I know I found in the text today, and you'll see it in a moment when I read it, that there's a wonderful Christian salad in the text. There's lots of lettuce, okay, and you'll see it. Matter of fact, I remember when I first got married, uh, the big joke was they, they told me what the perfect honeymoon salad is. Have you heard that? The perfect honey, honeymoon salad is lettuce alone. I like that, okay? Well, we're going to look at today the, the perfect spiritual diet. It contains lettuce as well. As a matter of fact, in our text today, there's three different kinds of lettuce. And I don't mean to be so corny, but it helps you remember and helps you pay attention here, is that there are exhortations, three of them, and as we, as we read this text, we've got to keep in mind that both it, it's actually also a summary of what God has done to us or for us in Christ and what our response should be. So let me read the text first, and you'll probably have no problem catching it. We're starting out with verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, and he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I hope you see just in this text as I read it that these few verses here have so much, it's enough for us to cover on one Sunday morning. Now, I want to remind you again, as I have many times, verse 19, whenever you see, therefore, I always tell you, I always remind you, you've got to read beforehand, you've got to read the context to find out what it's there for, Right? And so we've, been, we've seen the glory of the New Testament. We've seen all that God has done for us with a high priest to replace all high priests, with a sacrifice that doesn't need to be repeated, that re, you know, it takes the place of all the other sacrifices, with grace upon grace and a, a whole new priestly system, and we find it in Christ. Now, the next thing I want you to catch in verse 19, though, besides the therefore I'm always harping on, is that it starts out, therefore, brethren. You know, something we tend to forget about in church, we're related. Now, you may not always like your relatives, but you're stuck with them, okay? We are related, and, and this is going to be your first fill-in, because I want you to get this, is that Christ has now made us family, true family, brethren, born again from the same spirit, excuse me, from the same parents, and the first fill-in I'm going to show you is the same Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things I think I've told you before is I got to travel a bit. For a number of years, I was a mission pastor. And one, one of the first things that struck me as a mission pastor, I've gone to Peru, I've gone to Egypt, I've gone to Russia, I've gone to the Philippines, I've gone to Yucatan, I've been, I've been around. And everywhere you go where the church gathers and they're worshiping God, the same Holy Spirit is there. 
Even, I mean, I don't understand. I remember going to Russia and seeing these people passionately in love with the Lord, and they're singing songs. I recognize the melody, but the words are like, nyep, 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 nyep. it sounds like backwards. I don't, know. I don't know the words, but the melody, and I'm just going, look at this, and I'm looking at my brethren from another country. I get goosebumps thinking about it, and they were worshiping God, and they're filled with the same Holy Spirit. And I found out that I've got family in Russia. I've got relatives in the Philippines. I've got close connected relatives in Yucatan, and, and so do you. So it's important for us to realize this, because I think more than ever these days, there's been real bickering in the family. People fight and divide over things they, they should not. Let's love one another. Let's be family. I, I, I love this. Okay, but the first fill-in, it's the same Holy Spirit. Now, with the growth groups, I'm giving you a bunch of verses that you could look up on each of these topics. But let me just read to you one. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 Verse 6, let me read this one from the New Living. And this is Paul speaking about the apostles and their ministry. He has enabled us to, to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written of law, excuse me, not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God. It was legit, it was real, but it was fading away. Even though the brightness was already fading away, verse 6, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all with, compared to the overwhelming glory of the new way. Listen to Paul here. Now, we don't know the writers of Hebrews, I've told you, except it's the Holy Spirit. But listen to what Paul's talking about, what we have now because of Christ. He goes on to say in verse 11, So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious the new, which remains forever. I got news for you folks. There's not going to be in a couple more years or a couple more decades or a couple more centuries a new, new covenant. This is it. We got everything we need in Christ. We're not waiting for the next revelation, the next Messiah, the next Savior, the next new religion. This is it. You don't dig in. Okay, this is it. So the same Holy Spirit, but your next fill-in is the same Word of God. Because the Bible tells us that we're saved by the Word of God. Now, I know we're just reading in 2 Corinthians that it's not of the written law, but of the Spirit. Well, when I say Word of God, I'm not talking about just something etched in stone or even, even paper and ink. It's the Word of God. I mean, in these days, when it was written here, uh, this was, there was mostly hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so they'd hear the truth of the Word of God. And so let me read you an excerpt from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. That's 1 Peter 1, 23. And so how, what, to what do we attribute our new life? Well, the Holy Spirit has quickened us and given us life. And because we've heard and believed the Word of God. And so that's awesome. Now, now that we have a superior covenant, a superior high priest, a superior sacrifice, now we have what the Bible says, boldness. 
boldness to enter the most holy place. Matter of fact, it's stated as a fact in our text today, in verse 19, that having boldness, it's a fact. It's not be bold, which we should be bold, but he's saying we've got boldness. We've got, we've got a reason to be bold. It's, it's not just an exhortation here. It's saying we've got bold access to the Lord. And the point is simple. We've got to, we should take advantage of this access and take it with boldness. Now, on the Day of Atonement, in the Hebrew system, the high priest entered the holy place with fear and trembling. He didn't enter with boldness. He entered a little bit. Matter of fact, I don't know if I told you the story, but they used to tie a rope around his ankle. He'd go into the holy place, and he had bells. They'd jingle when he walked. The bells stopped. You better pull the rope and get him out of there, because they, they, if he died, you don't want to go in after him, you know? So it was a scary event going into the Holy of Holies. And he only did it once a year, entered with fear and trembling. But we can enter into the presence of God with boldness, without fear, with joy, as a matter of fact. Now, under the old covenant, the high priest entered only once a year, and he had to make sure he took the sacrificial blood with him. And, matter of fact, in verse 11 of our chapter, it says that blood, even in itself, could never take away sins. It just covered. It was a covering, kofar, atonement. Blood that constantly reminded both God and man of the problem of sin. Blood that was pointing to, alluding to the coming sacrifice of Jesus Christ that would be once and for all. But now, now under the new covenant, all who believe, who trust in Christ, we all have access through the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, look at verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's quite a statement coming from a Hebrew Christian. He's saying, you know what? In the old Holy of Holies, you couldn't go in there. Only one guy, and he, wasn't, he was scared. For us, we could boldly come before the throne of grace. Thank God. Praise the Lord for that. I like the way Adam Clark words this, explaining this boldness. Adam Clark says this. This boldness is a complete contrast to the way the high priest entered the holy place under the old covenant. He went with fear and trembling because he had neglected, if he had neglected the smallest item prescribed by the law, he could expect nothing but death. Genuine believers can come to the throne of God with confidence as they carry into the divine presence the infinitely notorious blood of the great atonement. You know what gives you confidence to go before God? The blood of Jesus and his righteousness imparted to you. Not your righteousness. I could never stand before God on my righteousness, but God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I know you hear that way too much, but I, don't, I want you to know it. I didn't finish the uh, quote. It says, And being justified through that blood, they have rights to all blessings of the eternal kingdom. And so, uh, you know, it's always good when you study the Bible to listen to what the great men have brought out in this. Now, another major consideration here is the removal of the veil. I don't know if you recall that when Christ died on the cross for our sins, he cried out at the end, it is finished, and the earth quaked, and the sky was darkened, and it says in the scriptures that the veil of the temple, that thick veil in the holy place that divided the holy place from the holy of holies, God tore it. You go, well, you shouldn't touch that. God told us to put it up there. Yeah, God told you to put it up there, and then God took it down, tore it from top to bottom, so that now showing 
Now you all have free access to the blood of Jesus Christ. I love that. Warren Worsby puts it like this. No old covenant worshiper would have been bold enough to try to enter the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Even the high priest entered the Holy of Holies only once a year. The thick veil that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies was a barrier between people and God. Only the death of Christ could tear that veil and open the way into heavenly sanctuary where God dwells. I want you to understand, in the new covenant, the new and living way we're going to look at today, we have access, and we can come boldly without fear and trembling, because the price for your sin, the debt for your sin, has been covered. Again, let's start over and read further. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Oh, a few things to talk about here. There's a new and living way. You know, there's a reason they call it the new covenant. And there's a reason why we have the New Testament. There's a new and living way. But one of the commentators I read, Newell, said something that really struck me about the new and living way. Because I thought, Lord, help me not to miss. Is there something I'm missing here? Listen to what he says. On a new and living way, it is eternally as if just now he had borne our sins in his body on the tree. As if just now he had said, it is finished. And the soldier had pierced his side and there had come forth blood and water. He is evermore flesh, uh, excuse me, freshly slain. I like that. That thought like, like it's just happened just now. Because sometimes I think, well, that was 2,000 years ago. There's been a lot of sin that took place since then, and I think I've done some of it, you know. But the, the thought is brought out here that it's new because it's always new. Your relationship with God is always new. It doesn't get old because it's always as... The cleansing came just now. The forgiveness came just now. There's a constant, fresh renewing. Like First John says, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses every sin just now. It's happening continually. If you walk with the Lord, you're under a shower. You don't get wet. You get wet in the spirit. You're walking with the Lord, there's a constant flow, as if it's just now happening. It's a new way, but it's also a new and living way, because under the old covenant, the, the high priest had access to that holy place by the blood of a dead animal. But now, under the new covenant, we have access because of a risen, living Savior. We've got a living way, because the perfect sacrifice of the sinless Son of God, it's as if the living, resurrected Jesus ushers us into the throne of God. I'm glad we have a living, living Savior. I'm glad we have a new and living way. Peter put it like this in 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Not only do we have a sacrifice the blood of Jesus is shed for us, but our sacrifice is living. And he continually offers us that fresh, new, and living way. I love that. Again, in verse 20, it says that by new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Now, that's an interesting concept here, is the, his flesh. So the writer, writer of Hebrews here is now making an allegory, an analogy, uh, between the veil that was torn, that gave access to, to the throne of God, and Christ's flesh, which was torn for our sake, that gives us access to the throne of God, that we might boldly come. It's 
the veil, his flesh. That's an interesting analogy. Again, Spurgeon puts it this way. For believers, the veil is not rolled up, but rent, torn. The veil was not unhooked and carefully folded up and put away so that it might be put in its place at some future time. Oh no. But the divine hand took it and rent it from top to bottom. It could never be hung up again. That's impossible. Between those who are in Christ Jesus and the great God, there will never be another separation. I'm going to read that last line again. It hits me. Between those who are in Christ Jesus and the great God, there will never be another separation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Many of the scriptures tell us that. We read on in verse 22 then. Let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This, this verse is packed with things we want to look at, but also I want to point out something interesting. Verse 19 through 22, I don't know what translation you're looking at, but in the Greek, verse 19 through 22 is one long run-on sentence. Have fun diagramming that, kids. That's a sentence. And because of these assurances that were given in Christ, we've got boldness to enter because we have a living high priest. And now we have an open invitation to enter the presence of God. Now, again, the old covenant high priest, he visited that Holy of Holies once a year. But we're invited. I don't know if you ever make this analogy. The, the high priest could only go into the holiest place once a year. But we're invited to dwell there. We're invited to dwell in the presence of God of God. Every moment of every day, you can do that. Now, I'm not talking about going to a temple. The temple's gone. I'm not talking about going into some sacred... Now, there are temples up, but they're cultic. I'm not talking about going into those. I'm talking right now, you are welcomed, beckoned, and invited to come into the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why God tore that veil from top to bottom. It's an incredible privilege, incredible blessing. God, help me not to not to forget that and to just go on as if I've got just another religion. We've got the new and living way. I'm grateful. So verse 22 begins now the, the series. I told you there are three different um, pieces to the salad. Okay, if I, if I could put it that way. Verse 22 says, let us draw near. Now, you probably already figured out your first fill-in, but this section is like Christian health food the soul. And every, I guess I've heard a lot of people talk about the, the diet they're on, and some people are just meat only, some people are all salads only, but here we're given lettuce, okay? And by the way, I got to be fair here. In the Greek, which were the original language that the New Testament was written in, lettuce isn't in there. Ruins the whole story, doesn't it? Kind of ruins my whole analogy. But I can't help seeing this lettuce, 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 out through our text in English, but in, in the original Greek, there is no word lettuce. It actually just says, like in verse 22, it says, draw near. And so to make it flow properly, the translators said, well, let us draw near. They put it in a nicer way. By the time you get to verse 23 and it says, let us hold fast, it just says, or, or let us consider one another in verse 24. Actually, just to be fair, the Greek says, draw near, hold fast, consider one another. But to make it easier on you, we said, but let us, let us do that, okay? It is a command, all right? So your first feeling is, let us draw near. Now, by the way, in case you're wondering, it's draw near to God, okay? 
There's a lot of things people draw near to. But we're talking about drawing near to God. Because it was Jesus. I love some of these things, these quotes from Jesus. In Matthew verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's, that's the Savior we have. That's the, the, the loving, gentle invitation that we get. Again, the old way compared to the new way, the Old Testament priest had to go through many various washings and applying the blood on the Day of Atonement and make sure that everything was set. But the New Testament believer could come to God on the basis of God's amazing grace, the blood of Jesus, and the righteousness that has imparted us through faith. Now, this is, a, this is a doctrine that a lot of people get upset about. Imputational righteousness, if I could give you a big word. It's, it's righteousness that is imputed to us through faith. It's the Second Corinthians 5.21 thing that I'm always harping on. Is that God took our sin upon himself, and he was treated the way we deserve to be treated. Second Corinthians 5.21. And those of us who trust in him and believe in him, he gives us Christ's righteousness and it imputes his righteousness upon us, and we're treated the way Christ deserves to be treated. Read it. I, I'll, if I start quoting it too much more, I'll be preaching on it. I always take time with 2 Corinthians 5.20. I like it because I love it because it's showing me that the way to, to, to God through the righteousness given to me in Christ. Let me just give you one from Romans. And in the growth groups, I've given you several that you could look up that you're going to discuss together. Romans 3.20 2 says this, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. There's a simple, powerful verse. How am I made right with God? It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to me as I believe in, in him. That's too easy, isn't it? Well, that's because God knew if he made it hard, you wouldn't make it. Neither would I. I'm, I'm glad God did it for us. So the command to draw near Yes, it says in the English translation, let us, but we're actually commanded to draw near. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.